What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And you need to say a little prayer for me right now because I think I'm on the chopping block. I don't know if this is happening where you are, but everybody in our house is freaking sick. And I'm next. I feel it. I hope it doesn't happen, but the odds are that it will. First, it started with Mel's two oldest kids, the two older kids. She has three. And they were sick all last week. And then the youngest one was like, I'm the last one standing. And then she got knocked down and uh, had a really bad stomach bug and a fever. And then today, Mel is down and out and has the stomach bug as well. And I feel like it's just a waiting game. I'm hoping somehow that my body miraculously can fight it off. I've been on that like edge. You know that feeling when you're like, it's coming, but then it then I didn't really get sick, but I kind of feel like it's happening. I've been in that place for like a few days, but haven't been fully sick. So I'm hoping that maybe I got it a little bit and my body fought it off and now we're in the clear. But for if we're playing the probability game, likely I'm next. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Anyway, there's some relevance to this conversation because I'm going to be touching on stress and how that impacts your results. Before we get into that, and this is an important topic, everybody talks about it, but I don't think anyone really gets into the nuance. You guys know me. I love to dig in to, to, the, to the meat. Like, Let's actually explain context. Let's actually explain nuance. Let's actually explain the complexities of different things like stress and how it impacts our results and what we can do about it, most importantly. But first, what we need to do is make sure that more people listen to this episode and to this show. The way that we do that, it's really two things. Number one, you subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. The more subscribers we have, the more people that get shown this show under their recommended episodes or recommended podcasts. So if you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening on whatever platform, follow and or subscribe, you'll get notified when new episodes are released, which is an added benefit, and you will be helping more people to find out about us. The second thing that you can do is leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We do a giveaway every single week. So next episode, I'll be selecting a winner who leaves a five-star rating and review, and we don't get that many each week, so you have a great chance to win. You get some free supplements from our sponsors, Cured, Organifi, and it's really simple. You just open up the Apple Podcast app, you hit the search button, you type in Mind Over Macros, you scroll down, you tap on the thumbnail, you scroll down until you see the ratings and reviews, you tap into write a review, you leave some comments, you know, Mike is really, he curses too much and he goes on too many tangents and he never gets to the point and he's way too long-winded, but for some reason we listen anyway. And then you and submit your five-star review and he thinks he's funny, but he's actually not. And then you're eligible to win. As long as it's five-star, you can talk shit if you want, but as long as it's five stars, then it counts. Um, and then I pick one person each week and you're also helping more people find the show that way. 
So those are the two things that you could do for me right now. That will be really helpful and much appreciated. All right. So let's get to this stress conversation. Um, I have an issue with fear mongering in the fitness space. I have an issue with fear mongering in general, but I've actually found that fitness professionals are some of the worst offenders. And I don't think that they mean it. And that's the part that's like, it's hard for me to be too critical because I think that their hearts are in the right place a lot of the time. Of course, there's some some bad apples, just like with any profession. But I really don't think that they're aware of what they're doing. And I came across a post, and this was from somebody who's like big into the functional space, somebody who's all about hormone health and gut health. And it was basically this alarmist post that's like, Stress is destroying your hormones. And if you don't take care of your hormones, then it doesn't matter how much you're eating and it doesn't matter what you're eating. You're never going to be successful. Your hormones matter and your stress is killing them. And I was like, man, even though there is a slice of truth to that statement, that is not at all helpful. And I have found that the people that get into the functional space, the functional side of things, especially, I think it's I think it's great. Like I'm going through it right now. So of course I believe in it. I am going through a gut healing protocol. I believe in functional nutrition where we look at hormone health and we look at metabolic health and we look at gut health. I am a big proponent of those things. However, I have noticed that the deeper that people go into that rabbit hole, the more they become alarmists and it and it's I wish it was coming from a place of more awareness versus fear. So I'll give you an example. Awareness might be, hey, did you know that there is a strong connection between your gut and your immune system? There's a strong connection between your gut and your brain. So you may notice some mood imbalances that may be directly related to your gut health, which is why it's super important that we prioritize gut health, right? Like that's an awareness thing versus if you're not taking care of your gut, if you're drinking too much alcohol and eating poor quality food, you're going to be depressed and you're going to have a hard time losing weight and you're always going to be struggling. Like you see the difference? One is let's, let's highlight something from an awareness thing that this may be worth considering versus saying like too much stress is making you fat right even if even if it could be true i always say there's there's a big difference between being right and being helpful being right versus being helpful i don't want to be right i want to be helpful i want to be useful and yet we see this all the time stress is destroying your hormones stress is destroying your gut health if you don't manage your stress you're never going to be lean. It's like, okay, we get it. You know, I had somebody who was a former client and she started working with like a functional health coach and he's actually a pretty big name. Um, I, actually, I wouldn't say he's a big name. He's a big name in in my circle because of, anyway, whatever. This is not, this is not relevant. He's, he, you may have heard of him. I'm not going to name names. But anyway, we had a, a client that was working with him. He's very much in the functional side of things. And she was like, he found a problem for every solution. And all I felt like was just a broken 
lab rat. And, and those were her words. She was like, I was a broken lab rat. It was like, even if I felt good, he would find like a little sliver of something from a blood test or from a, you know, gut test or from something to like hyper focus on and be like very alarmist about it. Like, no, you're not fine. You're not okay. This is, you know, a major issue. And if we don't fix this, then you're, it's going to kill you. Like, she was like, I couldn't deal with it because even if I felt like more energy and better mood and all these symptoms were improving, she's like, there was always a problem. There was always more fear. And it just made me feel so stressed out. So is it really ideal that we're taking this approach of fear mongering? Well, we have a lot of research around that. And research set says that when you create fear, you actually create more reliance on negative coping mechanisms. And you're also creating more stress. So the same people that are warning you about the negative implications of too much stress and telling you all of the things that can happen with chronic stress when you're too stressed, they are creating fear, which drives you to more negative coping outlets. And they're creating more stress, which is exacerbating the exact problem that these quote unquote experts are warning you about. They have been, this has been studied with people who smoke, with people who drink, with people who are overweight. Literally every time in the research that fear is the emotional response to something like a warning label on a cigarette package. Um, I don't know if it's called a package, a pack, a pack of cigarettes, right? The warning label. Smokers will say, yeah, like seeing the, the death warning scares the shit out of me. But they also turn to their negative outlet of dealing with stress and fear, which is smoking. So it actually drives them to smoke more. It's the same thing with people who use food as an outlet. When they feel fear and stress, they turn to that outlet of food. So you're literally just pouring gas on the problem that makes it worse. And I, I made a, I posted something similar about this in my stories. It was just a very quick snippet. And somebody responded and was like, oh my God, this is, this is me. It's like every time I feel stressed, I read these posts that you're referencing and then I get stressed about being stressed. Like it literally creates this negative feedback loop and it's just not helpful. Now, again, I'm not saying that there isn't any truth. Stress is something that we want to understand, but let's be helpful and let's create awareness. So first we have to understand that stress is a continuum. It's not on or off. It's not binary. It is a continuum, like most things. And it's also person dependent, like most things. For example, if I'm sitting in traffic, me personally, I get pretty um, annoyed by that. I get pretty stressed out. So that might be a high dose of stress for somebody like myself who is very impatient. And I like to, to move on the road. Like I, I drive fast, I have a heavy foot. I don't like to sit and I've, I've worked on it. So I would say me like 10 years ago, it would have been an extremely high dose of stress. 
me present day, it would be probably a medium dose of stress. But there's people out there that don't mind it at all. That just are like, you know what? I can chill. I can listen to some music. I can listen to a podcast. I'm just going to enjoy this time I have in the car to myself. And for that person, it would be a very low dose of stress or no stress at all. Then we also have to look at resiliency to stress. Some people are more resilient to stress than others. And stress resiliency is a quality that can and should be built. It is an important quality, but it can be built over time. So instead, if we stopped fear-mongering about stress and how it makes it easier to gain weight, why don't we talk about what you can do about it from a place of an awareness and empowerment? Because that's what most people want. Most people want to feel in control. And a lot of times the stress in their life feels out of control. I think that that's a big piece of the problem. Because when we talk about stress, it can be you know anything, right? Any source of stress is going to be treated equally in the body. Because we are survival-based creatures. We are built to survive. And any form of stress, your body registers as a threat to your survival. Okay? So a lot of those things are out of our control. Like you can't control traffic. You can't control the weather. You can't control when your boss is an asshole. You can't control when your kids have seven different sporting events that you need to run them around to, right? There's a lot of different sources of stress that are out of our control. So then when you are feeling that way, but then you read some post that says, you know, stress is destroying your hormones, stress is destroying your gut health, stress is making you fat. I don't think any of them explicitly say that, but that is my interpretation of the message. It's basically stress is making you fat. And you read those things and then you also connect the dots like, damn it, this is out of my control. That creates stress. Okay, so if we empower individuals and we actually come from a place of awareness and what we can do about it, you will feel more in control, which will reduce the amount of stress on your system. Also understand that stress is not breaking you. It is not destroying your metabolism beyond repair. It's not wrecking your gut to the point of no return. And it's not even a bad thing. Stress is not inherently bad. It is not one of those things where there's just like, it's it's stress, so it's automatically bad, right? Stress is actually how we get better. It's how we grow. It's how we evolve. I always use the, the lobster analogy, but like when a, when a lobster wants to grow into a bigger shell, it feels a lot of pain and stress from its current shell. And it's the pain and stress that tells the lobster that it's time. So it goes and it hides in a place where it can't be seen by predators when it's exposed, like aerial predators. So it goes like under a rock or, you know, in some like area that it feels safe and it sheds that current shell and it is able to. Uh, develop a bigger shell that it needs to take that next leg up. That's like the lobster leveling up. And this analogy has been used a lot when it talks about like the pain and the stress is what signals the opportunity for growth for the lobster. And we are no different. Stress is how we get better. If you want bigger muscle, 
if you want to get stronger, if you want to grow your muscles, you have to impose a stressor by creating little micro tears in your muscle tissue. And then you have to rebuild those and, and repair that damage. But the actual stress of like curling a barbell, it's actually creating little micro tears in your biceps, the muscle fibers, the muscle tissue, right? We have to then repair the damage that was done. And because we are survival-based creatures, it would make sense that your body says, you know what? That stress, which is a perceived threat to survival, well, that stress might happen again. And to prevent it from happening again, we need to accommodate. We need to adapt. So let's build these muscles stronger and bigger so that we can handle whatever that physical pressure was, like the physical pressure being the barbell or the weight. And it's like, well, that almost killed us from your body's percep perception. Let's accommodate. So now the next time we lift that weight, we're more prepared and it won't be a threat. But then what do, you, what do we do? We lift heavier and then we impose a similar stress and we keep that process going. If you want less body fat, you have to impose a stressor by burning more calories than you, you consume. And your body says, oh shit, we don't have enough energy coming in. So we don't want this to kill us. Let's tap into stored energy, which is body fat. Body fat is nothing more than stored energy. Let's tap into the stored energy that we have so that we don't starve to death. And that's how you lose body fat. Now, as that process keeps happening, this is where chronic stress, like if you're in a, you know, if you're consuming too little over time, your body's like, I don't want to starve. So let's delay this process of starvation by downregulating the metabolism, by preserving energy, by shutting off systems that require a lot of energy, like maybe your menstrual cycle, like your immune system, like your digestive tract. So all of these things can produce negative outcomes, which is why a lot of these functional people, I, I don't even, I don't want to box in functional people. So let me just say like certain fitness experts or quote unquote experts or gurus will then say, you know, stress is destroying you and making you fat and all these things. That's why they're saying it because of the adaptive nature of your metabolism and of your body when you're eating too little or any form of chronic stress, the same exact process will happen if any form of chronic stress is persistent and consistent enough. But it's also how we get better. So you can see, you can see this kind of balancing act that has to happen where some stress can be a great thing, like lifting weights, or if you want to get leaner, eating a little bit less, but we have to be able to recover. If you want to learn how to play an instrument, you must impose a stressor by practicing a skill that you're not very good at yet, that your, your brain is not efficient at coordinating. So it, it creates a stressor as your brain and your body try to sync up and figure something out that you don't know. And then when you're sleeping, your brain kind of files away all of that practicing material that you've gone over, and you start to get a little bit better at playing that instrument. Each time you level up, it requires a new or amplified form of stress. Once you can 
confidently lift a certain amount of weight, right? Just lifting that weight for the same amount of reps and sets day after day after day after day, you're no longer creating the stressor that is required. So you have to amplify or create a new stimulus, right? That would be maybe it's additional reps, maybe it's additional sets, maybe it's you know heavier weight, maybe it's a totally different training modality. The key to all of this is your ability to recover. If you can't recover from that stress, then your body is, then you're going to see those negative adaptations occur. So if you're trying to lose body fat, and we use that as the example, the more stress that you place on your system overall, the harder it becomes to recover. If we know that the, the ability to recover is the key to all of this, then we should be able to assess the various forms of stress in our lives and make an informed decision about whether we can adequately recover the way that we need to. And remember, we, our body doesn't discriminate. So your mental stress, physical stress, environmental stress, and emotional stress is all treated equally. So if we think about like emotional stress, this is one that a lot of people fail to regulate or deal with. Dealing with negative emotions, right? A lot of times we deal with negative emotions with a negative outlet, like smoking or drinking or overindulging, poor quality food choices. And, and that's now adding stress on top of stress. Or we have some negative emotions that are hard to feel and we don't want to feel them. So we just try to force ourselves not to. And that's the equivalent of trying to hold a beach ball underwater. And you're like, I'm not going to address the beach ball. I'm just going to push it down even harder. I'm just going to hold it down there. Like I'm not letting this thing above the surface. And that just means that you don't know how to regulate your emotions, but you're creating more pressure. And eventually you can't hold the beach ball. Your arms get tired. The pressure builds up too much and then it all explodes above the surface. So being able to regulate your emotions and actually feel your feelings and process them and have positive coping mechanisms and outlets. Because when you're feeling that emotional stress, your body is also in that fight or flight mode. So being able to regulate is allowing yourself to feel and identify and acknowledge those emotions and then to regulate so that you get into a parasympathetic state, whether that's through breathing or walking, or any form of mindfulness practice that you have that brings you to a place of awareness, and then you can decide what to do about it from a positive perspective. It's not always perfect, but if you're just suppressing, you're building up that chronic stress response. You're never actually addressing it. So, that's why we have to start from a place of awareness in terms of how much stress you currently have in this current season of life. And then we also have to look at your resiliency to stress uh, and then make an informed decision. Again, this is why I prefer to talk about the nuance to all of this because it depends. It depends on the person. It depends on how much stress you have and it depends on how much stress you're resilient to. So we'll have clients that come to us and they want to drop body fat, right? Who doesn't? Most of us, I would I would like to drop some body fat. I'm just not in that season of life right now. 
But a lot of clients will come to us and they're like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to get this 20 pounds off. Let's go. And then we start to assess their current life situation. And they start to tell us about, oh, it's a busy season at work. And my kids play all these sports. I'm constantly running them all over the place. Um, I'm not sleeping well. I'm not eating the best quality foods. And, you know, full disclosure, my relationship with my partner, my spouse, it's just not in the best place. We've been fighting more frequently. And um, yeah, so given that current life situation, adding stress in the form of dieting, probably not the best idea. Even if that's somebody who is pretty resilient to stress, that's a lot of different sources that would make recovery more challenging. So rather than saying, listen, Judy, I'm just naming her Judy in this, in this scenario. Listen, Judy, all of that stress is wrecking your hormones. It's destroying your gut. It's destroying your metabolism. And it's the reason why you can't lose weight. Judy would be like, um, well, that sucks because now I'm even more stressed out that I can't do anything about this stress. And now you're telling me that it's making me unhealthy. So thank you, asshole. And Judy will then feel even worse about her life situation, which is largely out of her control. There's certain things that she can control, but a lot of those things are just situational. It's just a season of life. By the way, I have the same issue with people who make perimenopause seem like it's a death threat, like it's a death sentence. Perimenopause is a normal phase of life. It's basically puberty in reverse. We don't tell people, we don't tell kids like, you should beware of the big bad puberty because your life is going to go downhill. Like, no. We're like, hey, this is a normal phase of life. So think about how we treat our children when they go through puberty. Hey, this is a normal phase of life that will come with certain changes that you should be aware of. Don't feel bad about it. Your body is doing exactly what it's designed to do. Why don't we treat perimenopause and menopause the same way? Hey, this is a normal phase of life that comes with certain changes that we should be aware of. Don't feel bad about it. Your body is doing exactly what it's designed to do. Maybe there wouldn't be so many people freaking out and panicking and creating more stress about a normal phase of life. But I digress. So if I took that approach with Judy, she would probably tell me to fuck off. But what we typically do is we say, hey, you know, you've got a lot going on right now. I think it would be more advantageous if we took this opportunity to fill your tank a little bit because you're running on empty, it sounds like. Your work is busy. You know, the kids are, are all these different activities. Your sleep's not great. Like, how's your energy? She's like, yeah, it's really not great. Amazing. Like, wouldn't it feel great if we could just have you feeling more energetic each day and just feel a little bit rejuvenated and recharged and ready to go? Yeah, that would be amazing. Awesome. So like, I know you want to lose that 20 pounds and we're going to get there. Don't worry about that. We're going to get there. But let's start with making some subtle changes. Do you think that maybe we could improve food quality a little bit? Do you think that maybe we can get like an uh, maybe squeeze in an extra 30 to 60 minutes of sleep every night, or maybe we could just implement a 10 minute walk each day. And then Judy tells us what she can realistically do. And she might say, you know what? The hour of sleep, totally out of the picture. There's no way I would love to, but it's just not happening. Okay, great. What about the other ones? And she tells us, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really confident that I can do those things. 
And we start to charge her battery. She starts to eat a little bit better. She takes a 10-minute walk each day. And then because she's feeling a little better, you know, maybe she actually does get some more sleep. Now, all of a sudden, she's feeling better mood. She's feeling her digestion's improving. She's clear mentally. All of these things are starting to show up. And by the way, it's also a great opportunity for us to work on resilience to stress. And that's where we can help her implement some of those emotional processing things and positive coping mechanisms that I mentioned. We identify the patterns that are not serving her. We create awareness from a place of compassion and, excuse me, and curiosity. Not guilt and shame, which is what most people feel when they have and when they have negative coping mechanisms, they feel guilt and shame, but we want to look at from the lens of compassion and curiosity. Compassion to yourself for being a human and curiosity as to how is this serving you? Why is this your outlet? What is it doing for you? And then we identify ways that we can insert something that would maybe feel a bit more productive. How do we regulate your emotions? How do you regulate your emotions? And we teach that skill. And now we allow her to build a higher level of resiliency to stress, which is one of the most important things that you can develop as a human who wants to create change, who wants to be successful. So we allow her to feel the feelings. We allow her to ride the waves of her emotions without letting them dictate her actions. We insert those pattern disrupts, practice making choices from a place of active awareness conscious choice. That doesn't mean that it's always perfect. In fact, I can guarantee it will not be perfect. But over time, Judy develops more resilience to stress and it makes her a happier person because those two things are directly connected. Resilience to stress and well-being and fulfillment and happiness are directly connected. And like I said, she's noticing her mood is better. Her energy is better. Her sex drive is back. She doesn't even know why, but we do. We know why. It's because we didn't make her feel bad about feeling bad. It's because we didn't stress her out about being stressed. It's because we worked within her current season of life rather than telling her to just try harder. And then things settle down a bit at work and her relationship issues start to dissipate, maybe because she's banging her husband more frequently, and her sleep and nutrition has improved gradually over time. Now, one of the things that I often look at from a stress standpoint is if we have some gaps to fill, then we can do that with supplementation. It's not the first option. Too many people go right to supplements. It's not the first option. The process that I just walked through is the process. That's the starting point. But then if we notice that there's some gaps, like let's use the sleep example. If she's like, you know what? It's not, it's not the time that I have to sleep. Like I, I have eight hours, but I'm only sleeping like five quality hours or I just have a hard time falling asleep or I get up in the middle of the night and I can't fall back to bed, right? Okay, now we have a clear gap that we can fill. And that's when I would say, you know what? Let's try a supplement like the Serenity Gummies by Cure. Because I know that's going to help you fall asleep. I know it's going to calm your brain. I know it's going to give you a more restful sleep and you're going to wake up feeling rejuvenated. So maybe we would try like the Serenity Gummies by Cure. 
Or maybe we would try their nightcaps. If she's feeling a little bit, you know, too anxious in the morning, maybe we would try their broad spectrum CBD. So I would start to insert supplements to fill the gaps, not as the end all be all, just to fill the gaps. If it's sleep related, I'm always going to start with Serenity Gummies because I have seen personally a huge improvement. And all of our clients who have used Serenity Gummies have said the same thing, dramatically improved the quality of their sleep and the ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. And then anyone who deals with anxiety, I typically recommend starting with their broad spectrum CBD. Um, Cured, their whole mission is really to help us become less stressed individuals. So if you go to curednutrition.com and you use code POPFAM at checkout, P-O-P-F-A-M, you get 20% off all of their products. If you are somebody that struggles with sleep quality, try the Serenity Gummies. If you're somebody that struggles with anxiety, try the Broad Spectrum CBD. Look at their whole line of products because I can tell you that if you have some of these issues when it comes to stress, and you don't want to feel bad about it, but you want support, go to curednutrition.com, use code POPFAM, P-O-P-F-A-M, and get 20% off. I'm telling you, it'll be well worth it when you realize how much better you can feel when we start to mitigate stress and we understand it. We, we come from a place of awareness and empowerment. Curednutrition.com, use code POPFAM. Get yourself 20% off. So we work on these things. Sleep improves, nutrition improves. And now we're in this different phase of life. And Judy, as our as our avatar here, she's like, you know what? I've, I've never felt better. And we're like, great. Now we're ready to embark on a short and targeted fat loss phase, which is an imposed stressor. We know it. And she needs to know that too. Hey, we're about to impose this stress on your body, but you're ready for it. What I want to do in this time period is make sure that she's ready to get this done. Like we don't want to extend the length of this dieting phase of this fat loss phase, but because we've worked on these things through a busy season of life and we've worked on her resilience to stress and we've worked on her emotional regulation and processing and incorporating more productive outlets. Judy's ready to go. Six weeks in, she's feeling leaner and better than ever, and it almost feels too easy. And then she wonders, how is it that everything else I've tried in the past has felt like this constant battle, this constant tug of war, and this felt so simple and so natural? And it's because of everything that I just explained. Judy was never broken. We didn't have to scare her into action. We just met her where she was at, and we allowed her to be her. We allowed her to be who she is. We allowed her to have a busy season of life. We allowed her to be stressed and just feel it without feeling bad about it. And then we helped her to incorporate some positive and productive outlets and ways to mitigate it from a place of awareness and autonomy. She gets to choose what she can confidently do. If something feels like it's too much, if it's unsustainable. If it's more challenging, like a lot of people who track macros are like, I feel more stress tracking than I do 
just eating. Okay. Like I want to, I want to be able to just eat and tracking feels like a massive stressor in my life. Well, great. Then let's practice how to eat in a way that promotes recovery and can help support your goals, but it removes the stress of actually tracking. So now we can insert something a little bit more productive. Anyway, the bottom line is that we met this individual where they were at, given the context and nuance of their situation, understanding the overall phase of life, the season of life, and understanding their resilience to stress. And then we make an informed decision. If you are currently right now in this moment, feeling overly stressed about your life, that's okay. Don't let anyone make you feel bad about having a hectic life or having a lot on your plate. If you start to read shit on Instagram that tells you that it's wrecking your hormones or wrecking your metabolism, just unfollow. Protect your well-being. It's not helpful. It is not helpful. This may be a phase of life where you simply put fat loss on the back burner and you work through your emotions and you start to incorporate some mindfulness practices and you work on your resilience to stress. And you ride the wave until you are ready because you're not broken. You don't need to be fixed. It just needs to come from this place of awareness and understanding. You're doing what you can and that's all that anybody can ask. And if you need support, if you need help, find it. Take little moments of time to fill your own cup. And that's really the basis for all of it. You don't have to force the issue. You don't have to try harder. You don't have to do more. More is not better. Better is better. So it might be a a season of life. It might be a phase of life where you focus on your well-being and being more mindful and incorporating more productive outlets. And you put your fat loss goals on the back burner for now. It's not going anywhere. You've got time. Okay, so there's certain things that we can do that make fat loss easier in the long run. Going through this process will help you reach your goals in a way that you actually enjoy, in a way that makes sense, in a way that feels natural, in a way that you can sustain. Hopefully, this was helpful. As always, my goal is not to be right, it's not to prove a point, it's to simply be helpful. If this was helpful, I would love to hear about it. Just shoot me a message on Instagram at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. Let me know if this resonated with you and I will talk to you guys very soon.